0: Well, if you, uh, if you do have a Bible with you, if you would like to open it up to uh, Luke's Gospel, we're in Luke chapter 10. Uh, last week we were looking at uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and now we're in the next verses, five verses, as we look at Mary and Martha. Before we read it, let me, uh, let me tell you a little story. It's a fictional story about an elephant, now, it's not the same fictional story about an elephant that we had a few weeks ago, you know, the traumatic one. Totally different to that, you will be pleased to hear. But again, it's entirely fictional. There are three people who are, uh, kind of take part in this experiment where they have to, uh, they have to describe and identify an animal. Uh, but they'll be blindfolded so they can, they can feel the animal, they can touch it, they can smell it, they can hear it, but they can't see it. And we as the observer recognize that they're all got the same animal they're trying to uh, they're trying to identify, and the first person walks in to the enclosure, blindfolded and uh, gets c- come close to the elephant, they get hold of its trunk, and they can feel the, the trunk they can just about get they kind of get their hands around it, and they're feeling around the trunk, and they recognize it it's powerful it's it's kind of muscular it seems it seems to be quite long. And they, they, then they leave the, the enclosure. The second person is brought in, again, blindfolded. And they approach the animal and they kind of attach themselves, as it were, to the elephant's legs. And they find, wow, this is a really powerful animal. I can just about get my arms around it. It's a powerful, strong animal. The third person is taken in. The second person is taken out. The elephant's wondering, what is going on here? The third person wanders in and kind of, kind of files around and can't find the animal. And eventually, by chance, gets hit in the face by the elephant's tail. And so, kind of traces back and thinks, well, this is strange. It kind of descends from on high and has this kind of wispy end that hits me in the face. And then they're taken out. And the three of them get together to talk about the animal that they have been trying to identify and, and the first one says, well, it, it seems like a, like, almost like a snake. It's this, this powerful creature. It's about this thick. And the second one says, well, it's much more like a tree trunk. It's massive. You can hardly get your arms around it. And the third one says, well, it just hits me in the face. Now, the, the, the thing is that all of those are accurately describing a part of the elephant. But to, see that, to, to recognize it as an elephant, to see the full picture, they've just got to zoom back a little bit. They've got to pull back to see the, the, the whole picture because a trunk is an important part of the elephant. And so are its legs. And so is its tail. But you need to see the whole thing to get an idea of what the elephant is like. So it might seem strange to start by thinking about this. But so why, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because we're going to focus in on, on Mary and Martha. Five verses in Luke's Gospel. But as we focus in on it, as we, as we seek to zero in on it, we need to keep stepping back to see the, the, the bigger picture. If we zero in only here, there's a danger we'll overemphasize or, or just get the emphasis wrong. Luke has very intentionally put this passage just after the Good Samaritan. Just like a a musician or a band, when they release an album, track one is intentionally followed by track two and track three because one feeds into the other. One raises a question that the other one might answer. The artist place these things together, or the the director of a film, as they tell the story, place the scenes next to each other for a reason because one comments on the other. One is placed next to the other for a reason. They say, don't they, that you, every film tells a story and a story has a beginning, a middle and an end, but not necessarily in that order. And the director chooses how they tell the story. Sometimes they start at the end and you work your way back or you start in the middle and then you... But they choose how to do it for a reason. And Luke has is, is put this passage behind, just past the Good Samaritan for a reason. So what we, what we want to avoid here is looking t- too much because we can get into Mary and Martha and, and we can simplify it and say, look at all the things that Martha's doing wrong. Let's not do that. Look at all the things that Mary's doing right. Let's do that and, and miss some of the, perhaps the complexity. We, we can look and say, Martha, who, who is busy doing things, that's, that's, that's terrible. Well, the good Samaritan's just been busy doing things. And Jesus has held that up as a good example of what loving our neighbor is. A neighbor is to see someone in need who we have the opportunity to help. So it can't be that being practical is the problem. We just need to look a little bit deeper. Somebody once said, the line between good and evil doesn't, uh, doesn't run down the human race, but runs down the human heart. There's not good people and bad people. But we have the capacity for good and the capacity for evil within each of us. The Bible says that we're made in God's image, created, fashioned, formed in the image of God, carrying the image of God. There's creativity. There is value and significance. There's the potential for thing for good in us. But we've been marred by sin. Sin has got its talents into us. It's destroyed us. It's poisoned us. It poisons our thinking, our attitudes, our decisions. So within us is the potential for real evil. That's the scary thing, isn't it? When we, we, we read the news of something terrible that's happened, something really awful, it, it often it's not that it's somebody who... It's somebody normal who's made a series of bad decisions. The line between good and evil goes down the human heart, not the human race. So with that little background in mind, let's read these five verses. Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I want to to look at these verses just from two angles. We'll start by looking at it from sort of a Martha angle, and then we'll think of it from a Mary angle as well. Verse 38 As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. It's it's interesting how how the passage begins. This whole starts because Martha takes initiative to go to Jesus. Martha takes initiative to to invite Jesus back to her house. Mary would never be sat at Jesus' feet if Martha didn't invite her into the home. And so it begins as, as, as Martha takes initiative. We read of Mary and Martha three times, actually, in the Gospels. We read of them here and twice in John's Gospel. One where their brother Lazarus is ill, and Jesus raises him from the dead. And, and then in chapter 12 of John's Gospel as well, where um, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with perfume, and he says, this is readying me for burial. And in all those three accounts, we don't get a sense of of parents for them. We don't get any sense of spouses. They may or may not have been. But it may well be that Martha is actually inviting Jesus back to her home. This is her home. This is her, it's her initiative, and it will be at her expense. It's her honor, but it's her challenge as well. And hospitality is very important In the Gospels, it's very important in the ancient Near Eastern culture, inviting someone into your home. In chapter 10 of Luke's Gospel, uh, Jesus sends out the 72, and they're to stay with people in the towns and villages they go to. The furtherance of the kingdom of God is going to be about hospitality. It's a key part to play. The good Samaritan rescues the guy and pays for his keep. Hospitality is really important, and anyone could have given Jesus hospitality. But Martha did. It could have been anyone, but it was Martha who did it. It's Martha who stepped out, it was Martha who asked. It's Martha who invited him in? But she gets, uh, she gets challenged. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I have to admit, my heart goes out to Martha at this point. I wonder if yours does too. I mean, she's just just got so much to do. I mean, the 72 have just returned. I hope that all 72 of them aren't following Jesus going to a her house here. Maybe it's the 12. Maybe it's just Jesus. But if you're preparing a meal for just one person and it's Jesus, <laughs> you want it done well. You want it done properly. And the, and the, and the pressure and the, and the sense of wanting to do things right is, is getting on top of her. But that's why we just have to zoom out for a minute. Just, just zoom out and see what we're seeing in Luke's gospel. Where are we up to? See, Jesus has been set, in, has set out for Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he will be killed. Where he'll give his life for, for us. And so on his, way to Jeru- on his way to Jerusalem, I think he wants to just spend time with his friends. We know that Jesus loves Martha and Mary. We know because... John tells us in John 11, verse 5, that Jesus loved Martha and Mary. He wanted to spend time with them. And, and Martha has invited Jesus into her into home and then got distracted. Martha's invited Jesus into a home and then not spending time with him. Remember in Luke chapter 9 as well that we've read that Jesus has fed the 5,000 with two loaves and f- Uh, And uh, Five loaves and two fish. So while it's beautiful to offer Jesus a meal, while it's lovely, while it's honouring, Jesus, he doesn't need need it in that sense. And so Martha has got distracted. The the Greek word for distracted means to be dragged or pulled in dots of directions. I think we can associate with that word. We know what that means. To be dragged or pulled. In lots of directions. And there's so much to do when you're hosting. There's so, there's so much pressure. There's so much to get right. There's always more to do. And I feel for Martha because all this is pressing down on top of her. And she looks over and Mary's just sat there. And, and it presses down on her. And eventually she goes and she does what you don't do when you've got a, an honored guest in your home. And you go and put them in an awkward position and drag them into a domestic dispute. You do the one thing you don't do when you're hosting, which is go and embarrass your sister in front of your honoured guest. But the pressure is weighed down on her. And notice what she said. She says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Because she's invited Jesus into her home, but she's not spending time with him. And as that, that kind of separation grows, where I'm doing things for Jesus, but I'm not spending any time with him, I start to question, do you care? Do you see what's happening? Have you any idea of the pressure I'm under? And she misses the relational. She misses the time with him. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, the bishop speak on a Sunday evening, and uh, and I was tasked with the with the responsibility to go and pick him up from the hotel in Preston. I'd uh, just got my license back, and uh... <laughs> it's just a little joke. See if we're still here. <laughs> I told that to the bishop. He didn't find it funny. <laughs> Distracted. We went uh, went to pick him up. And, uh, and he'd had, he'd come over from the States, he'd had all the meetings with the European leaders, he'd had the conference and the decisions and the relational aspect of that. That finished on the Saturday. On the Sunday, he'd been out uh, preaching at a, a different church, and then he'd, he'd been out with uh, some church leaders for lunch and a uh, QA time. He got back to his hotel just in time for me to pick him up, he and Pam, and, uh, and we, we drove up. And we made good time because the roads were clear and I held to the speed limit. And we got, uh, we got here with half an hour to spare. So we're coming off the motorway. It's half an hour at six o'clock. And I thought, We've got, I've got half an hour here. What, what are we going to do? Do I give him a, 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 a detailed tour around the new building that God has given us? Do, do we, do we uh, try and introduce him to as many people as possible? So I give him a kind of short version of the history of the church. But I did what any one of you would have done as well. And I said, um, we've got half an hour here. We're, we're nice and early. What would you like? What would you, what would you like? As, as I guess, what would you like? And he was paused and he was quiet for a minute. And I said, no, no, you can, you can actually tell me. Be honest. And he said, I would like to get my PowerPoint sorted. I'd like a bottle of water and I'd like some time on my own. Absolutely. Colin and Julie were there to sort the PowerPoint. Bottle of water was straightforward. Let's go upstairs. Here's a room. Close the door. Have some time on your own. Because it's not my agenda, is it? It's not our agenda. If there's a a guest, then you ask what they want. And and, and what do we we learn here from, from what Luke records for us? Jesus is teaching, and we don't have one syllable of what he was teaching about. We don't know what Jesus was teaching here, but we have this recorded for us because there's something significant happening. What can we learn from Martha? Well, it's not that serving practically is wrong. It's not that serving practically is is wrong. We've we've seen people serve practically in Luke. That's not what it is. But we do see that spending time doing things for God without spending time with God is a challenge. I mean, notice, what, notice the frustration that, that Martha feels. Notice what, what she says. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha is, is, is that pressure. I'm doing things, I'm doing things, I'm doing things. And I look out and somebody here doesn't seem to be doing anything. So I point the finger and I say, you need to help me in my ministry. You need to help me in my ministry. And, 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 it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's changed. It's, it's, come, it's, it's come about me somehow. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I I love the response that Jesus gives. Martha, Martha, he calls her by name. When the king of kings calls us by name, there's a significance to it. He, he, He calls her by name. It's as if he's saying, I see, I see what's happening. I understand, I know, but Mary's chosen what is better and it won't be taken from her spending time doing things for but not with i wonder in our own lives are, 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 are there opportunities are there is there is there a part of that, the rhythm of how we live where we're spending time with the lord where we're spending time with him where we're in his word it, it may be that we we come to to church week in and week out but but we don't open the bible through the week and it can happen so easily let let's let's make time to be in his word start maybe start with the gospel of luke reading through giving him time maybe that means stopping something else if there isn't time martha she's there but she's not listening what about what about mary very very briefly what about mary mary doesn't appear quite as soon in the account as what martha does if we get to verse 39 we read that martha has a sister called mary who sat at the lord's feet listening to what he said it's a very intentional thing here mary is sat at the feet of jesus it's a it's a posture a position of somebody who's wanting to learn of of a disciple Disciples would sit at the feet of the rabbi in, in, in wanting to learn from them, in wanting to, to hear what they say. It's this very intentional act of seeking, of listening, of wanting to learn, of giving honor. And it's very interesting that Martha calls Jesus Lord, but Mary sits at His feet. Martha calls Him Lord, and, 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 and is, but, but Jesus, uh, but Mary sits at his feet. And it's and it's a challenge, isn't it? We live in a, live in a society which is sort of results driven. If if you're if you have a certain personality type, and I think plenty of us do, something doing something tangible is very attractive. Doing something is is kind of how we're made and, and that's good. But to intentionally sit at the feet of Jesus I think that's the point, isn't it? Mary isn't here by accident. She's not there because she's lazy. She's not there because that's the only seat in the room. But she's placed herself there. And I don't think that we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus unless we've been intentional about it. Unless we've, we've decided to do that. And we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Are we are we doing that in the rhythm of our week? Is that happening? Are we placing ourselves at the feet of Jesus? In other words, is there, are we, is there time for us to be to to pray, to to commune with Him, to read His Word? It'll not happen by accident. It may say in, in your translation that when we read, when I read in the NIV, that Mary has, has chosen what is better. It might say Mary chosen the, the better portion, or, or some phrasing a little bit like that. And and, and the, the thought here is that um, that's very intentionally. It's, it's a meal image. Mary has chosen the better meal, or the better part of the meal. And so we might look at these five verses as as almost the story of two meals. The meal that Martha is. Um, making for Jesus and the meal that Jesus is giving to Mark, to Mary, and, and and she has chosen what is better. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three says, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." Jesus uses that as as he's tempted by the enemy to uh, to rebuke him, and there's a sense that as we get into God's word, we're being fed. That there's something significant here, that there's some there's there's goodness here that we feast on, there's truth here which directs that it's important that we are in in the Word of God. And I wonder if we could summarise what we've looked at by saying you can't make a meal for Jesus unless you've eaten the meal provided by Jesus. It's hard to make a meal for Jesus, to to be involved in service, which we've said is good, to serve is good. Practical outpouring is good. But when it's separated from time with him, from feeding on his word, from relation with him, there comes frustration, there comes um, challenge, there comes upset. We start to question, Lord, do you care that this is happening? Had to make a meal for Jesus unless you've eaten the one prepared by him. So really, the application in one sense is quite straightforward. But it's a case of putting it into practice, isn't it? Is that what is happening this week? It may be this this (laughs) this evening. Not quite it may be this morning that you're you're here and uh, and and you're not following Jesus you you don't know the lord as as your savior as your as your friend as your master as the one who's in charge but the things that we're looking at just seem to to resonate just seem to to land where you're at and i just want to encourage you that that image of to sit at the feet of Jesus to to come to him to listen to engage to 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 hear what he's about is a special place to be. And and if, if you're here and that's that seeking is happening in your heart, then then keep seeking because you'll discover in him a treasure that is surpasses anything else in life. And if you would like to to talk about that then um, then please would love to, so would lots of folks here to talk to you further about it. I'm going to pray as we close. I'm going to ask the the band if they'll come back up, so that we can uh, close our time together by uh, by singing. But let's 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 just pause for a moment. Father, we've um, we've read here in one sense of a very uh, ordinary instance. Something that um, a situation, a scenario we can we we can see lived out, and yet something that um, still speaks to us very much today. Lord, if you have been speaking to our hearts, then Father, I pray that you'll give us the uh, the courage to to respond. Father, as we journey with you, we want to um, be responsive. We want to be obedient. We want to, uh, to resist going through the motions. And Father, we ask that, that we, would, uh, we would have those times, those uh, regular routines where we're found at, at your feet, we're found in your word. And Father, I pray that our service would be, would be um, fueled by that. Would be a joy, Father. We thank you for your grace in every way. But we recognise that what we've looked at, there's no resolution. We don't know where, we don't know what happens next. The story finishes on this uh, on this edge. But the story finishes as Mary and Martha are listening to you. Father, may we be a people who that can be said of, that we are those who listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen.